It's lunchtime in Center City, Philadelphia. I'm right by City Hall, and I'm on a quest. I'm trying to find someone who can tell me what a Philadelphia City Commissioner does. These people get elected to the job every four years, and they get paid about 130 grand to do it. So somebody must know what they do, right? Have you ever heard of the city commissioners? Do you know what they do? Uh, they do things for the city, or they can, uh, what? Hi, I'm Liz Fiedler, and I'm working on a new podcast called 20 by 70. And I have just one real quick question for you. Do you know what a Philadelphia city commissioner does? I've heard of them, and they, I'm not sure exactly what they do. <laughs> I haven't heard of them. What's your first name, and what part of the city are you from? My name is Deontay, and I'm from the suburbs of southwest Philadelphia. Have you ever heard of them, the city commissioners? Have you heard of the city commissioners? No. No, I never did. Here's a group of guys. Let's see if they know. Hi. I'm asking people if they know who the city commissioners are, what their job is. Uh, Anthony Clark. Right. Schmidt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Al Schmidt. And the newly elected woman, I don't remember her name. Do you know what they do? I have no idea. They run elections. Hi, I'm doing a story about the city commissioners. I wondered if you know what this government position does. They keep the calendar for when absentee ballots are due, and they update the list for um, who's registered by precinct, uh, things like that. Well, you're the first person I talked to who knew. <laughs> Hey, David. Hey, Chris. So, uh, I heard Liz's opening segment just a minute ago. Uh, what do you think? Maybe it's time we told the folks what a city commissioner is and should do? Capital idea, Chris. Let me, let me give it a shot. City commissioner performs, I think, a really important role uh, during election time, which is to oversee the process of running elections making sure that people trust the system, making sure that information is disseminated. You remember the voter ID thing a couple of years ago? And I think the city commissioners are uh, elected to be advocates uh, to the state, which is where much of the election law is written, about how we can improve the process of uh, voting for folks in Philadelphia and across the state. So that's the gospel according to David Thornburg, who's the head honcho at the Committee of Seventy, which is Philadelphia's oddly named but very persistent good government advocate. I'm Chris Satulo, and I work with Seventy Two. And since I used to hang out in public radio, I'm getting to host this brand new podcast about making Philadelphia better. We call it 20 by 70. Why that? Well, every two weeks, we here at 70 plan on giving you 20 or so minutes of brisk, candid reporting and analysis on this crazy, wonderful city of ours. We'll show you its quirks and quakes, its potential and pitfalls, its civic heroes and stubborn dreamers, as well as its buffoons and villains. Every time we'll hear from David and a bunch of really smart guests about how to make Philadelphia a more innovative, ethical, effective, and efficient city. In other words, the kind of cool, together place where you'd want to live. And we won't flinch from telling you about people who get in the way of that goal and what you can do to stop them. Which uh, brings us, David, to the inevitable topic of Anthony Clark. Who is Anthony Clark and why does he have so many people annoyed? Ah, uh, yes, the plot thickens. Anthony Clark is an elected city commissioner. You may or may not have voted for him this past uh, spring and fall. 
Uh, he's a ward leader, which means he's one of the local politicos active in uh, promoting the interests of the uh, of the Democratic Party. So, so far, so good. But where this gets interesting is when we look at uh, Anthony Clark's performance in office over the last few years. And a couple of things stand out. First of all, he seems to have an attendance problem, AWOL, you might say. He doesn't really show up for work very often. And this is well documented by uh, Claudia Vargas and the Inquirer, a bunch of daily news reporters, uh, WHYY reporters. It's pretty well documented. That he just doesn't show up very often. And oh, guess what? He actually has a kind of a spotty voting record himself. The irony, of course, that his job is to promote voting and civic behavior and that sort of thing. Okay, nice work if you can, like, sort of get it. Uh, also joining us here at the studio on the Penn campus, and hey, by the way, thanks a lot, Annenberg Public Policy Center, is Mike Newell, a columnist for the Enquirer. And his paper, as David mentioned, deserves a lot of credit for treating Anthony Clark's no-show hijinks as a front-page story. Welcome, Mike. Glad to be here, Chris. Thank you. So you've written about this and have tried to uh, explain to folks why they should care about Anthony Clark's uh work behavior. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your take on it is. I just kind of tried to have a little fun with with actually what he's making. I mean, he's, he's setting himself up here to be a pretty wealthy man when he leaves office. The, uh, the $140,000 salary, the nearly $500,000 drop payment, and then uh, plus a $10,000 a month pension check. So like you said, that's pretty good work if you can get it. So I just had a little fun calling up some folks from different um, uh, different agencies across, uh, around the city and saying, hey, what would what could we get with this money? What could we pay for if we weren't paying um, Anthony Clark? And it was really kind of eye-opening to see the kind of things and the amount of things you could get for this city. And it really, especially now with the mayor talking about wanting this to be, um, to kind of dedicate his administration to getting effective and efficient services um, for not just some of the city, but all of the city, and, and, and how important that is, is if we're truly going to move forward as a city. So give us a run now, Mike. Yeah, so we'll start with his um, his uh, potential pay, uh, pension payout of about $500,000. In real city dollars, that could pay for about 100 uh, classroom libraries. It could buy 714 body cameras, and that would be more than enough to equip um, three of the city's uh, busiest police districts. Um, we found it could buy a fire truck, um, as well, and we moved. I moved on to his salary, his hundred forty thousand a year salary, and also that was just really eye opening. It could um, double the city's camp program from about eight thousand kids to fifteen thousand kids. It could send nurses to about six more schools. Um, so it was a little. It was fun to do, but it was also pretty eye opening and pretty angering at the same time. Yeah, thank you, Mike. So, David, Mike has sort of told us what could be done with that money if it were dedicated otherwise. But you're also sort of focused on what the office of commissioner or what an election official in Philadelphia could get done that it probably isn't getting done very well. Yeah, well, let me let me tell you what goes through my head. And as I took, I've only been in this job for about a year, and this Anthony Clark thing has been sort of simmering. You ask yourself. What kind of system allows this kind of situation, tolerates this kind of situation, tolerates this, I, I think, this, this fairly blatant ripping off of the, of the people of Philadelphia? There really is no other city comparable to Philadelphia in the country that elects people solely to monitor and oversee elections. And, and by the way, nobody comes close to paying them $140,000 a year times three. 
Now, the good news is I think this situation has gotten a lot of people just plain pissed because it's it's too obvious. It's too evident. As Mike mm -hmm. said, we all look at this and you say, we know this city's strapped for money. We know the schools are strapped for money. Here seems to be a blatant uh, situation where we're paying money and literally getting absolutely nothing. So, David, mm -hmm. let's, let's assume that um, – a pitchfork brigade of some sort is forming. <laughs> uh, Villagers with torches and pitchforks. Exactly. But yeah. uh, one of the great things that blocks change is citizens feeling, oh, I don't know exactly what to do, or I don't know how to do something about this. Do you have any suggestions for people who are sitting at home going, this guy really, really is pissing me off, as you said. Like, what can they do? Well, and there's got to be a better way. That's that's yeah. the other thing. It's, yeah. it's one thing to focus on the individual and say there's – but the other thing to say there's got to be a better way. Well, yes, there is. Um, the Philadelphia Citizen, uh, which you may know is an online publication that uh, that tries to uh, encourage good acts of citizenship and sanction uh, those who are not being good citizens – uh, has launched an online petition drive through something called change.org uh, that you can add your name to. Uh, and you can do that simply by going to change.org. Pretty easy to remember. Uh, unless I miss my bet, I think there's going to be a lot of pickup. I think a lot of folks in the city feel the momentum of the city, feel that the city is moving forward. And the fact that this this type of waste is still being abided even you know if it's just one person it speaks to a bigger problem um, it speaks to a mindset that needs to be changed and it really speaks to a roadblock what um, what the mayor has said will be a real central tenet of his administration which is you know effective services effective and efficient uh, services for Mike, the entire city Mike Newell columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer thanks so much for stopping by thank you and we'll be back in a second with more of 20 by 70 So, okay, we admit it. As an opening salvo in the initial episode of this new podcast, 20 by 70, talking about Anthony Clark was a bit of a downer. But Philadelphia city government isn't all clowns and con artists. We've got a smart new mayor following up on a departing mayor who got some important reforms done. And even though the old guy, Michael Nutter, and the new one, Jim Kenney, aren't exactly BFFs, the transition after last November's election to last month's inauguration seemed to go fairly smoothly. Committee of 70 was in the middle of that process, running an initiative called Transition for Results. So, David Thornburg, what was that all about? I'm inordinately fascinated by transitions in government. As, as someone said, it's a, in America, it's a little bit like we, we take the guy with a, the food truck on the corner and pull him out of the food truck and say, you're going to be the CEO of McDonald's tomorrow. And by the way, we're going to strip away all of the senior management that used to work for the old guy. So good luck. That's, that's kind of what we do here in this city uh, and elsewhere. So to help the new administration, uh, we brought some folks in last summer from around the country who knew a little something about transitions, who knew a little something about running city government, who knew a little something about getting performance out of city government. And one of the bright lights in that uh, was a guy we met named Peter Madonia, who helped uh, Mayor Bloomberg run his transition processes in, in New York. You may remember that Mayor Bloomberg was elected three times thanks to his uh, significant war chest. And Peter Madonia helped him in the transition and then became his chief of staff. 
and we were able to uh, catch up with Peter uh, to talk to him uh, about transition processes and his advice for Mayor Kenny. Peter, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. So we're in the midst of a mayoral transition here in Philadelphia, and uh, given the role that you played in New York, I just want to start with what's it feel like? What's it feel like on the inside when you move from a campaign to actually governing a big city? Um, well, once you get over the euphoria of winning, particularly if you know your candidate who was a you know, close election, um, um, you, know, you wake up the next morning and realize you actually have to switch gears pretty dramatically from campaign mode to you know, uh, creating governance um, writ large, governance structure, a team to deliver, um, a vision which you have to sort of think about and put into place, which is built off the campaign, but that requires the sort of practical realities of, of um, how do you get it done in government. Talk to us about some of the pressures that you're facing as a, uh, a senior staff person to the mayor. You have a very limited window of opportunity to, first of all, think about what governance structure, what's your, what, what comfort level do you have around a governance structure? Do you want a strong city hall that's really dictating everything that's happening in the government? Do you want strong commissioners running your agencies and having you know, a, a shared power um, structure? It has to be comfortable for the chief executive. Um, so that's one. You have to find the best people for the right jobs, particularly um, where um, you know, your city hall, the people around you who are your core team, who are going to be, you know, the people that are gatekeepers in many ways of what comes to you and what doesn't and what form it gets there. You have to sort that out and you have to, you know, really find the best people for the right jobs, both in City Hall, you know, your chief of staff, your deputy mayors, um, your person who handles intergovernmental, your communications team, and then for your agencies. Um, and and their skill sets and experience have to align with your vision for what you want to get done. On, on the hiring thing uh, still, um, there's always a back and forth about whether you do a, quote, national search for a particular person or whether you hire internally and there are pluses and minuses for each. And, um, and as you said, you have about 30 days to figure this out. So how, how, did you, how did you and the Bloomberg administration and the mayor balance that question? Um, we, we considered it a national search. In fact, um, it, it was international. I, like uh, our health commissioner, I called uh, in India. He had worked in city government once before, but he had spent the last seven years in India, and I got him on the phone and said, are you interested? Um, our sanitation, sanitation commissioner came from California. So um, these were not unknown quantities, but they were not people who were in New York at the time. So, General words of advice for Mayor Kenny as he's in uh, really the middle of his second month of his first term. Um, I think the single most important thing a mayor can do and be is decisive. And that, you know, you you can collect as diverse advice as you can glean from the people around you. Um, you can build consensus to the best of your ability where and when it makes sense. But at the end of the day, the one thing that will paralyze the government and frustrate the public is indecisiveness. And Mike used to say this all the time. I have to be able to look myself in the mirror when I make a decision and say, I, I did what I believed. Um, I, I did what I thought was right. Um, but you got to make a decision. The single worst thing that can happen in a city hall and in a city is uh, a lack of decision-making. 
Well, you've, you've given us a great tour behind the scenes of a hugely significant process that I don't think most, most folks uh, pay much attention to. So is there anything else you wanted to add that you didn't have a chance to say? Stick to your vision. You know, if you're a mayor with a real vision for what you want to accomplish in four years, keep it focused and make sure the team around you knows that that is a non-negotiable um, set of things we're going to work on. So that was David Thornburg talking with Peter Madonia, former aide to Michael Bloomberg in New York. As you've heard, here at the Committee of 70, our main man is David Thornburg, who arrived at 70 a little more than a year ago with a huge blast of energy, ideas, and impatience for progress. Before this gig, David did things like run the Fells Institute at the University of Pennsylvania and the Economy League. More often than not, the way we're going to end 20 by 70 is with a few words of wisdom, exhortation, or analysis from David. So here it is, your moment of City Zen. Some of you might know that on weekends I play in a couple of rock bands, Reckless Amateurs and The Miners. I love playing music, the creative space it opens up and the community it creates, and, by the way, the useful metaphors it adds to your repertoire. Because while a picture might be worth a thousand words, a metaphor has to be worth at least a thousand pictures, at least at current rates of exchange. Okay, enough tune-up stage patter. I want to play for you a few choice cuts from my main gig, my full-time band, The Committee of Seventy. Come to think of it, doesn't the Committee of 70 sound like the name of a psychedelic rock band from way back, like maybe the Association or the 13th Floor Elevators? Speaking of way back, here's how it all began. Back in 1904, even before the Internet, 70 was founded by a bunch of earnest leading citizen types around three big goals. We wanted to protect and improve the voting process, encourage promising men and women, people of integrity and promise, to run for office and get involved in government, and to support them when they get there with a flow of good ideas and practices. And three, finally, inform and engage regular folks in the critical issues of the day. Those are songs deep in the catalog that we're still singing, and for good reason. Not too long ago, WURD and WHYY reporter Solomon Jones wrote a sobering piece suggesting that given the mind-blowing tale of Anthony Clark and other head smackers, Maybe Philadelphia, the cradle of liberty, was rapidly becoming the crypt of democracy. So, how will 70 reinterpret our founding themes, play new melodies to familiar tunes? For starters, when it's called for, we'll continue to remind our public officials, publicly and forcefully, that we elect them to do a job, to use government to improve our lives, to make ideas matter. We'll advocate for new approaches to voting, to make sure that every voter and every vote counts, and for structural changes to government that bring us closer to the 21st century. So stay tuned. See what you come up with. Grab an instrument and join the band. Drop me a note at dthornburg at 70.org. I'm David Thornburg for the Committee of 70. So that's a wrap for this, our pilot episode of 20 by 70, the new podcast on Philly politics, government, and civic life from the Committee of 70. I'm Chris Satulo, joined by 70's head honcho and resident guitar hero, David Thornburg. That theme music you just heard, it's by his band, The Miners. Also, thanks to our guests, Mike Newell of the Philadelphia Inquirer. 
Kind of. Peter Madonia of the Rockefeller Foundation and formerly the Bloomberg administration. 20 by 70 is produced and edited by the wonderful and glamorous Elizabeth Fiedler and recorded at the Annenberg Public Policy Center to which all praise and glory be. Background research comes from 70's resident wonk, Pat Christmas. Here at 20 by 70, we hope you enjoyed this pilot episode and we hope to come back and be in your ear every few weeks as we unleash a new episode of the podcast on an unsuspecting world. Next time, we'll take a look at why Philadelphia is growing and what that might mean. In the meantime, keep working at it, Philadelphia. <laughs>